Gabby and Andrea. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks for joining us here at How Is Anyone Still Alive? A podcast about the living part of life with chronic illness. Hosted by two adult human females who just want to know, how is anyone still alive? I'm Andrea Gonzalez-Paul. And I'm Gabby Papoulis. Thank you, whoever you are, wherever you are, for joining us today. We are going to talk about relationships. And pregnancy. Oh, boy. Our favorite friggin' topics. Favorite topics. We're excited. Um, We're probably... So this is the first time we're talking about this. We're going to make a million of these podcasts, um, so don't worry. I'm sure you're going to continue asking because we got some great emails, you guys. People continue to send us amazing questions, and we feel so grateful to those who do. If you want to send us a question, um, how is anyone still alive at gmail.com? How is anyone still alive at gmail.com? How is anyone still alive at gmail.com? Also, um, in the future, we're going to be having some really cool guests we have lined up, and I'm really, really, really excited. Um some like absolutely incredibly amazing cool people with amazing stories and amazing attitudes and also some professionals that have some really really awesome smart wonderful things to say yeah it's not just us gabbin here we're gonna get some good intel not just gabby gabbin not just the Gabby Gabin, <laughs> although I love to listen to her gab <laughs> I had teachers in school that I always would say Gabby's Gabin, and I was like, how original. That's such a teacher thing to do. (laughs) Okay, um, this is the question. Are you ready? I am so ready. (sighs) Deep breaths. Okay. Hey, GP and AGP. So deeply moved when I saw you guys were doing this. Wanted to send along this question. For context, I'm a 24-year-old female living in a mid-sized city. My health journey has been hard. Here it is. How do you approach your health issues with a potential partner? Are there certain qualities they need to have or qualities to avoid, etc., because of having this lifelong ailment? Wow. It's a biggie. Let's just start there. Yeah, so this is a two-parter, and we're going to start right there with this. Um, you should go first. Okay. I will start, and because Andrea and I, as we talked about in podcast number one, um, are in two very different places relationship-wise. But can offer great different perspectives that different people can relate to. Yeah, for different people that are in different spots in their relationships. So this is good. So this is great. Um, So I am married to my wonderful Yanni, and we have been together for almost nine years now. And we spent the first four or so years of our relationship with me not having any health problems. Um, so he both did and did not sign up for this. He did because, you know, in sickness and in health, we are married. Um, and he loves me dearly, but he did not know, we, neither of us knew that there was going to be sad problem, sad problem. So it has been a adjustment period for us and one that evolves with time and we've gotten better at and have understood more. And it includes a lot of different elements, Um, so one of them, and this has been big for us from day one is 
like very, very open communication. So we, we are huge on sharing our needs and our feelings and all of the things and are very open to going to therapy together and separate because it's, I think it's great for everyone. Yeah, I, I love that. As soon as I find whoever I'm about to marry, we're going straight to therapy. Yeah. So right now, um, that's going to be probably something that enters our our relationship, which is exciting and fun and new. That is so exciting. Yeah. So that's good. Um, and also, uh, there's been a lot of language that has changed um, as we've kind of been adjusting and um getting to know, getting to know my illness. Ah. Um, so getting to know her, getting to know. So there was a point in which Yanni was very much, you know, a, an attentive partner who wanted to do whatever he could to make everything better. And I think a lot of us want to do that for our partner. We want to mm. make everything better, but you come to that realization that you cannot make anything better for anyone. No. All you can do is, is be, be there, there and to listen and to say, yeah, that sucks. Um, so he used to say, what can I, you know, what can I do to make it better? And he used to say that all the time. Oh, he self-adjusted and now asks me, what can I do to help you, um, to make you more comfortable? Oh, yeah. Um, which is, is interesting because that's that is both a change in his language to me but also my self-talk because that was I used to be focused on better 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 um and now it's all about you know caring for myself and being comfortable with with what I have and with, with what's going on wow that's um, an aha moment for it, me aha uh -huh, if uh -huh. you listen to the Oprah Super Soul Sunday podcast so good um which we love um, Oprah has aha moments, and she'd say that one hit me differently. Yeah, when I heard that we, that time, we love we love Oprah so much. Okay, um, wow. So th that's that's a really that's been like a, a really huge piece for us, um, and and then also uh, the expectation of what things are going to look like for um, us, like as far as like the weekends and everything and the weeknights. Um, we have a very egalitarian partnership um, and have like from the beginning, but definitely everybody puts in as much as they can. It's not like he's he's like, oh, well, I did this yesterday and you're going to do this tomorrow. Um, it's like sometimes he's having a, a harder day and sometimes I'm having a harder day or week or month. Yeah. And, you know, we step in and do what we can to to help each other. And really, at the end of the day, that is what it is about. Um, it's, you know, I I heard something that was kind of concerning the other day. And I, I haven't checked if this is real or not. But I saw somebody say that Dr. Phil had mentioned this is like a fact check moment. Okay, well, we fact might check. have to fact check it. But I heard somebody say that Dr. Phil said 100% of caretaking relationships fail. Oh, gosh. Um, which... Is, is like a really extremely harmful thing um, to say, 
especially for those who are in relationships where one person has an illness and the other does not. Yeah, this brings up a lot of scary things for me right now. Yeah. It, I'm I, so excited to go into it. I had a lot of I had a lot of feelings about that when I heard it. And it was it was hurtful and harmful and a thousand other things. Um but we need to remind everyone and ourselves that although the caring or the caretaking that one partner might be, be doing for another does not negate what we give to our partner or right. what we do for our partner. Right. Um, because there, you know, there are a lot of opportunities for me to still be a, a fully loving and giving partner as far as um, my advice, my empathy. Um, I, you know, I do things that are still caretaking and, yes. and loving for, for Yanni. Yes. So I think that's an important thing for everyone to remember. Um, it's hard sometimes to not feel like a burden. Wow. Um, and that can be tough, I think, for people a lot of the time. But just please remember what your being and what your existence brings to the table. It's good. For, for it's, your partner. It's so much. You bring so much to the table. Absolutely. So if you have any more questions on that, we can we can touch on that a little later too at, at any point. Please bring more relationship questions. We love talking <laughs> bring, about relationships. Bring them more. And I'm going to hand this off to Andrea now for um, the single perspective. The, the single perspective, the other side of it. Yeah. So um, also, it's uh, I was in a serious relationship, um, the one that almost uh, did me in. <laughs> um, no, he was great. Um, he just wasn't the my it wasn't the match. Um, your lobster. Right, exactly. So <laughs> I love how you agree with that. Uh, yeah, he. We hadn't basically. We had some discussions about my illness, but because I wasn't a person who could talk about their illness, he didn't know much until I got really drunk and would cry and all mm. this stuff. Don't do that. Talk about your illness um, like uh, a normal functioning person would. My next partner, who was very serious, um, was. Uh, Question, can I stop you for a yeah. second? So when you say talk about your illness like a normal functioning person would, what does that look like? Oh, what? thank you. It just means being able to say, hi, I have this disease. Mm -hmm. This is what the disease is. Okay. Uh, this, uh, I might need a liver transplant. Those are words I need to say to someone. Um, and uh, if you sign up with life with me, uh, that's what you're going to get. Okay, cool. Which just sucks. And I, I know I've confided in you in this. Um, it's a hard thing because I don't want that. It is hard. And I don't want to go through a liver transplant. And I myself, I didn't ask for that. But I know if someone takes on being my partner one day, um, <laughs> like, and I shouldn't say it like that, but I'm saying it like that because that's how I feel at this moment. Um I know I bring a lot to the table, like Gabby you said. You do. Um, but, like, that that's in their future, too, now. You know, like, the fact that their wife um, might have to go through a major surgery, and that's life-risking. Um, and because of this, you know, a lot, a lot of things that we'll get into in our next question um, come up. But so what do I look for in partners? So my next partner after that, he was um, super into health and wellness. 
Um, he actually met me at the time I was making my film and I was very open and kind of processing and he gave mm -hmm. me space to process what I was going through because he could see that I was a person who was still trying to grapple with what had happened, which was, you know, the fact that I had self-destructed and uh, brought on a lot of problems myself because I had a, a problem. I had a substance use disorder. That's what happens. Um, so he gave me the space and he was just super kind um, and now he's kind of like, well, I know he's not the match. Um, if he's listening, I love you <laughs> in the least sexual way. Um, <laughs> but um, he is a great standard that I have to hold all future partners to because I felt so loved in that relationship. Yeah, I felt the kindness. I felt... Um, you know, he never made me feel like a burden. He, yeah. he heard my anxieties and reassured me that everything I was feeling was completely human and normal. That's so amazing. Yeah, he was a really good partner. And um, so I hope for, you know, as I'm dating, it's so funny because, like, I, I keep on going out with people who um, are are not like him at all mm. and it's not doesn't feel good yeah um and I I you know then have to remind myself okay what what did the last person give you you know that should be the standard not like put up with this shitty person texting me or not texting me and yeah. guessing and guessing right and the first parts of dating are always like a dance and who's willing to show their cards but a lot of it is communication vulnerability um, empathy and um, kindness, hundred percent. And I think those are all traits Yanni has, and yeah. a willingness to understand and yes. to think outside of the box. Yes. Um, and also, I eventually realized too within this relationship that it bothered me that my partner drank. So when I saw mm -hmm. him drink, and, and like I could be around friends who drink, um, I don't like to be, or my family, I don't like to be. But um, I, I can tell it doesn't make me viscerally angry right when I saw my partner drink the person who I was going home with at the end of the night sure it was one drink here and there um but it made me deeply uncomfortable and that was something that I had to learn for myself and a yeah. standard I had to figure out yeah and so now it's something that I'm um, able to have to communicate to uh, partners down the road when things do get serious hey this is the reaction that this is bringing for me you know it's probably a smart idea for me to date someone who's not a big drinker to begin with or someone who doesn't drink at all. Um, so self-aware. Very self-aware on that. Um, so, But, like, looking at that and seeing what those person's values are um, and if they're going to get weird about that, then that's not my person. Yeah. Um, sorry. Sorry. You're not my penguin and we're not mating for life. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I feel like, does that answer... Does that answer yeah, that? Yeah, I, I think that was I think that was incredible. That was definitely thorough and helpful. Okay. And our listeners can let us know if that was helpful or if we need to go into that more. You know the email. Um so you, you know the email. Also uh wanted to add that that's been a huge part of Gianni and I's relationship too, is like my health and wellness journey, he he like has gone on that with me. So like the experimentation with food right. and everything. 
Um, oh he, yeah, yeah. Like he did that. That's a really good partner thing to do. Is just completely like so. We like make a lot of gluten free things together, and he's like, wow, like this is delicious. So he's so 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 supportive in that, and he pretty much rarely ever drinks. Um, so and he's not really a co- he drinks coffee every once in a while. So we're it's not like we're having like our. It's not like we're like, oh, we're missing our morning cup of joe together. Yeah. No. It, it sounds like the, it might make, especially in this, if you're uh, dating in the Midwest, if you're not on, like, a coast, um, this might seem uh, like, oh, this, uh, what a lifestyle you have, this healthy and wellness. But a lot of places, this is just how people live. Right. And you have to remind yourself that. Like, you're like, no, if you were to go to New York City or if you were to go to L.A., that is how, like, these are, they have so many options of vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, um, caffeine-free, nut-free, dairy-free, everything. Because that's just how our people are living there. When you're, like, in the Midwest, you forget because you're like, oh, well, there's just a pizza place on the corner and everyone's going. You know, like, so, it, sure, it might make your dating pool seem smaller, but, I mean, I think it's worth trying to align yourself with yeah. people who want the healthiest things for you and, and also want the healthiest things for them. Right. And granted, if you are, there's a lot of areas that are definitely catching up and are more progressive as as far as um, the health scene goes. So you're, like, definitely being able – you're able to find more options than it used to be, but it's it's taking some time. Like, it, like Andrea said, if you're in New York or California, like – your options are definitely through the roof compared to what they are here. So it can be hard sometimes. We are sponsored by Comrades Compression Socks. Hello, how is anyone still alive, listeners? Andrea and I are so excited that we are sponsored by Comrade Compression Socks. What if I told you that you could replace one item you already wear, it would significantly improve your circulation, boost your energy, and just overall make you feel better? You really, really can, truly, because we both did. The solution is compression socks. We like to use Comrade compression socks because they use true graduated compression that's lab tested for accuracy, which is really the key to getting the right amount of compression and make sure their socks actually work and are comfortable. We want our calves, our feet, and our ankles to feel comfortable. A lot of brands don't do this. Plus, they come in all kinds of cute colors and styles. I personally have some yellow, some pink, some blue, stripes, dip dyed, the list goes on. I love my comrade. Special offer for the How Is Anyone Still Alive audience is 20% off your comrade purchase. Go to comradesocks.com slash still alive and use discount code still alive at checkout. That's C-O-M-R-A-D socks.com slash still alive. Um, so we'll get into this next part of the question, and this is big for us both. Biggie, biggie, biggie. Um, all right, should I read this part? Yeah, you do it. All right. How do kids fit in the picture? Dear God. Oh, my God. Obviously, everybody has varying levels of autoimmune, but anyone struggling with, with one that wants kids has to consider how their autoimmune affects this part of their life, too. And this is to be said for things other than autoimmune disease as well. So, Andrea, do you want me to start or do you want to go? Um, I feel like mine will be a little bit shorter. So let, okay. me, let me go. Go ahead. Um, yeah, so I can't have kids. Um, well, I probably could if I wanted to put myself in a very dangerous situation. But like I said, I still might need a liver transplant. That's still something that's um, 
like not soon, but like maybe in five years, maybe in 10 years, you know? So it's not something if I'm, my body is so in a state of desperation just on its own, why would I try to conceive and, and put that extra stress on it? I don't, I was never also a woman who was like, I want kids. So it's easier for me to say. And I think if I do want kids, I would feel better adopting than, um, yeah, and, and looking for other options. I don't feel the need to procreate, um, but also because I don't think that that's, like, going to be good for my long-term outcome. If I wanted to live a long, robust life and bring a child into this world, I don't think that's possible. I think that, yeah, I could bring a child in this world and I'd probably shave off 20 years off my life or if I made it through. I have no idea. I'm just hypothesizing, but that's my thought. And then it's like, if I had a kid okay, great, I have to, I, I'm much, but then, like, I might die younger, right? So then you can't even see this kid grow. So why bring something into this world that you can't see grow? Because you've just tried having the kid. It just doesn't make sense to me. And so that's why adopting, if I wanted a kid, wouldn't make sense. But again, I'm one of these people who did not, I'm a person, and I might change my mind one day because I'm only 25, but, like, I was never a young girl being like, and I want a baby one day, you know? So it's easy, it feels easy to say um, when, you know, you're single right. and you're 25. Right. But perhaps one day I'll change my mind. I always do look at little girls, and I'm like, I'd love to raise you, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I get, I do see the appeal, but it, um, it is something for me that I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to take the risk. The health risk doesn't seem worth it. Like I said in the earlier podcast, I I went and I saw someone to go freeze my eggs. I was just going to ask you about that. Oh, my God. It was a crazy experience. I didn't even know if I want to get married. Like, I don't even know how I feel about marriage. I'm pretty sure I know how I feel about marriage now. But, like, it's not something that I want to, you know, go and put. The thing with transplant is it's the medicine after transplant Mm -hmm. is um, what will make the baby, like, uh, the fetus um, harmed, like right. it could be born without limbs, or um, just you know make make it so it's just um, it's, it won't become a good and healthy baby. It's it's a really not okay good for the babies the uh, the medicine the anti rejection yeah. medicine. So yeah. So when they were talking to you about freezing your eggs, was that the possibility to freeze your eggs to then have a surrogate carry that egg? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All Which right. would have been so much money. Yeah, that's, I heard the prices and I was like, that's another, no, thank that's you. another layer. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of layers. It's so, a lot of layers, so like, like we, an onion. We, we did that process. We looked at how much it cost. I said, I don't want a baby that badly at all. I wouldn't do this for $50 a month, let alone thousands yes. for the rest of the my life until I decided I want that baby. That's yes. insane. Yeah, So for sure. That's where I'm at with the kids. All right. So we have like the opposite end of the spectrum over here. So this gal, me... Gabby, um, I, I have wanted kids from like ever since I remember, like I was little and I would pretend to be pregnant. Like I was like three or four and I remember playing and putting balls like in my shirt Mm. and pretending to be pregnant and feeling joyful about it. Um, I love babies and I love kids, hence why I work with them. Um, and then in undergrad, I worked um, specifically at a preschool for f- almost five years. So undergrad and then a year after, and I was in the infant room. Um, and like the joy 
it brought me was immense and the relationships I developed with some of those families immense. Mm. Um, so needless to say, very much want to have kids. Um, and my husband very much wants to have kids. So this has been actually like a, a question that has been a driving force in a lot of our decision making. Wow. Um, so it definitely affects a lot of the things we do and how we plan our lives. Um, because right now, um, I am, I, there's nothing telling me that I'm not fertile. Like, so I haven't had any, uh, I don't have endometriosis or PCOS or, um, uh, any issues fertility wise with like my hormone levels and everything. Have you talked to the doctor about your fertility? Uh, I have. Okay. Yeah. So you're good. So right now there's no perceived risk of infertility. Okay. With that being said, how I feel and how easily I flare, we don't know what pregnancy would look like for me. Right. Um, we don't know like how I'm going to respond, what my body is going to be like. And then on top of that, I deeply struggle with like severe crippling fatigue. Right. Um, so the possibility of like going into a flare post, you know, after giving birth or like when the, your baby's waking up in the middle of the night, um, is like a really extremely scary thought for me. Um, and you know, as I've said before, like this is all really personal and, but I'm sharing this because I'm hoping other people can relate. Um, but you know, Yanni, likes to remind me that like first priority is is my health right so like if you know if, if it comes to the to the place where like it's we, where we can't have kids you know that's it's sad for both of us but it's it's a reality that we might have to face um but until then we approach it like we're going to we plan you know hopefully you know around 29 or 30 ish um so that gives me like three years so I'm I'm 26 and change right now. Um, so like three, three ish years, um, to hopefully get everything in a good place. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's like immensely scary for me to both think about and to plan, um, both because like I want it so badly and then like the fear of like, well, if it does happen, like, what is that going to look like? And the fear of, my health going south right. and then having a child and then not being able to take care of myself and both like not being able to take care of the baby and me. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely something that is worth thinking about. Um, but there's, I know there's, there's positives. Like there are positives to being a, a parent who is dealing with chronic illness. I know, you, you know, your child can, learn and gain skills and empathy and everything. But, you know, ideally is that what I wanted my, you know, unborn child's future to look like? Not really. So it's, it's tough. It's really, really tough. And I feel so much for everybody that's thinking about this and that goes through this because yeah. this is like, um, like I, I, quite literally on some of my days, like when I am sickest, yeah, I, the things that get me through are thinking of like my future kids mm. because I so desperately like want them to be here. Yeah. So I'm a lot of the times I'm like fighting and pushing through because I, I want them so badly. Right. Um, so, and I actually, um, 
I heard, um, so Allie Hilfiger, you know, Tommy Hilfiger's daughter, sure. had re- a really severe case of, of Lyme. Um, and I was listening to her book on audio and she was talking, you know, about how the thought of her wanting so badly her unborn child, which is now her daughter, she has a daughter, um, was what got her through a lot of that. So like that really resonated with me super deeply. Um, so right now we just plan as if, you know, that's like the timeline and that's when we'd like it to happen. But if it looks different and if, you know, I can't conceive or we need to adopt or, um, or if we would like to adopt because, you know, I, that is definitely something I would be open to. Um, so it's, you know, it's a conversation that we continue to have and continue to be open about it, um, as a married couple. So, yeah. So I think our answers there were to align yourself with people, um, if you know, like partners who are open, understanding, and are willing to go on that path with you. Like they see the value in life with you. Yeah. Not like I'm checking the box. I want the kid. I'm checking the box. I want the house. Right. They look at you and they say, this is life with you. And whatever that looks like, whatever the fuck that looks Mm -hmm. like. And I think, you know, when you're dealing with a lot of chronic illness stuff, um, it's looking for people who've also been through things. Yeah. It doesn't have to be chronic illness. It could be anything. Yeah. They've, they've faced, I I find that the people, adversity, I find that the people I want to spend time around have gone through difficult things and have, 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 have been able to evolve over time because of them. And I, I can say, so my husband, I mean, he's, he's experienced things and and losses. Actually, Um, we were just talking about this earlier. (laughs) He, he had a, he's very well adjusted and had a, a pretty, you know, he, there's definitely things he's, he's experienced things, but, um, a pretty quite well adjusted childhood and, and experience growing up, but, um, definitely like some of his exposure to, um, my illness, um, has, I think has been a a really huge growing experience for both him and for me. Right. Um, and it's, in a way, you know, like it's been so freaking hard, but in a way it's been, um, for us as a couple, like we've, we've grown a lot together. So, yeah, no, um, being around Yanni gives me hope from, I, cause I tend to date men who are older. Um, but, uh, I, because I find that they're more mature, but you know, being around Yanni does give me hope for, for men who are 25, our, our age, 25 <laughs> and, and some change, 25 and some change. Um, <laughs> be better men who are 25 and some change <laughs> work on it <laughs> come on your frontal <laughs> cortex is developed get with the times what are you doing also don't just like pretend to be a feminist or progressive just to try to attract people that's not cool either that is not cool feel feel passionate and deeply about things that you care about because you care about them be real. Be vulnerable. Just saying. Whoa. All right. So this is one that I loved, and we're going to talk about our T-shirts, too, with this. Oh, yes. Uh, yay. 
Hi, Gabby and Andrea. I am so excited that you two are giving light to conversations that are either happening in whisper tones. Wow, I love that. Behind closed doors are, aren't happening at all. Thank you for creating this podcast. I'm really looking forward to everything you're doing here. Anyway, I'm a 27-year-old woman who has had a lot of severe pain everywhere, specifically my joints. They've checked the obvious stuff. It's not any type of arthritis. I won't go into all the other possibilities. The point is I've been feeling ill for quite some time and doctors haven't been able to give me a clear diagnosis. Because of this, I've made a lot of lifestyle changes, which leads me to my question for you. I get a lot of comments on my physical appearance. I've lost a little weight due to eating healthier and changing my exercise routine with the goal being to feel better. And it's hard not to get a little resentful when people comment on my appearance in a positive way, i.e. along the lines of, you're looking great, or after talking about struggles with my body, well, you look good. For me, I'm not really focused on my physical appearance, and while I know it's meant with good intentions or as a compliment, I find myself being very frustrated by these types of comments. They often serve as a reminder to me that my appearance has no bearing on how I feel and ultimately that my body isn't normal. How would you handle this? Wow. This was, this like shook Andrea and I because this is something we've talked about a lot. Yeah. And the way the question was worded and presented like really hit a chord with me. It, it hit one with me too. And I'll just say um, when I was going through liver failure, I lost 20 pounds in a month. And it was like a noticeable weight loss, lost it in my face, lost it everywhere. Someone even said to me, um, liver disease looks good on you. Wow. Um, That's like a gasp moment. Yeah, it was meant in like a lighthearted joking way. Yeah, it's not funny. But um, it was something when I started to gain weight back, sad about I but even though I was gaining weight in a healthy way my body Mm -hmm. was putting weight back on and I should have been grateful for it but actually I was gaining weight back on and I was sad about it because that's what society has told us is beautiful is skinny 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 um when really I was like sick and then getting healthy again um so that's something that I I've struggled with um and I think that if it's someone you're close to, um, my mom specifically, hi mom, if you're listening, um, has made some comments about my body and, you know, I've practiced, um, creating boundaries and telling her, um, and others close to me, if, if they make comments on my body that make me uncomfortable, um, hey, that doesn't make me feel good when you say that. Um, Can you actually not make that comment about my body or um, about how you perceive it um, and the weight loss or the weight gain? Um, Just setting, like, really clear boundaries. And that's something I've um, had to practice in therapy and over time and um, something I'm continuing to try to get better at. Um, yeah, so I, I would just say if it's someone close to you, if it's someone like a parent, someone like a friend or a sister or a brother, a cousin, whoever it is, say, hey, actually, um, the, that comment actually made me kind of uncomfortable. Could you um, refrain and ref- refrain, abstain in the future of making something like that? Um, because I'm actually, I actually don't feel well. And when you say that, it doesn't make me feel any better. Yeah, I 
definitely agree with that. iMessages are important. And for those of you who have not had experience with iMessages, it is just saying, um, so like when you say this to me, then I feel this way. And then you ask for what you need. So like Andrea said, when you do this, it makes me feel uncomfortable or upset or sad. Um, can you please not say that in the future? Or just not make comments about my body. Um, it's, it's important to make those boundaries with people you're comfortable with or people you're around a lot or people who are continuously making comments about your body like that. Um, I try to remind people too, like when they tell me that they're like, oh, wow, you're looking so great. Um, it might be on some of the days that I feel the, my absolute worst. Um, I do try to remind people, uh, you know, I appreciate it but I am still struggling um, and I'm not feeling well today. And you say that to everyone. I've witnessed you say that to people who um, aren't, you aren't close with. Right. And um, that is really speaking up for yourself in a way that, um, you know, in the moment, like you're, you're able to identify a moment and say, no, this is a, this is a space where I can say this. And I, I personally try to get better at trying to perceive when those moments are. Yeah. Um, but it does come with practice, and it's something that you've been really good at. And yeah. also, I love that you're a social worker, and you're able to explain, like, an iMessage so well. <laughs> Thank you. I do I'm like, it. I, I know I'm practicing things correctly, but I'm, like, I love to hear, like, the actual, I'm not, like, science behind it, but almost, like, the the, the school of thought behind it. Yeah. I, I do it with my kids at school all the time. And it's, like... The crazy thing is a lot of the things that we work on with kids are things that are almost always useful for adults as well. Oh, wow. Or they're skills that we already use and we don't understand why we're using them or, like, where we learn them. Sure. So it's kind of cool to be able to relearn those and understand them. Um, the weight thing I did want to bring up, too, uh, I dealt with a similar thing. When I, get, when I flare really badly... Um, both my appetite is low, my digestion is really poor. Um, something that's pretty common with POTS um, or any sort of dysautonomia um, is that you get problems with stomach emptying, um, which is a, a um, function of the autonomic nervous system. So it's basically like the digestion and everything has happened, but um, the, your stomach's supposed to open up so that your food can move into the intestines. And sometimes it doesn't open up correctly or at the right time. And so you feel full um, for a long time. Um, for some people, this becomes really severe and will lead to, to vomiting or something. So it's, it's oh, wow. nothing to joke with. And I, you know, it does cause you to lose some weight and appetite slow. So I, I've gone through periods where I've lost quite a bit of weight and have dealt with really confusing feelings about my body because I'm looking at myself thinking, wow, you know, I've never been this skinny before as an adult. Um, and, and almost like internally wanting to celebrate it because that's what we're told right. in society that we're supposed to look like. Right. Um, but feeling like such shit yeah. at the same time. So I found myself, um, like you said, feeling like sad when I was like, putting weight back on when I was out of a flare and I'm actually in that state right now where I'm gaining weight back from my summer flare um and I'm really struggling with it even though I'm feeling healthy and really good so it's something that I'm continuously working on and trying to get to practice 
positive self-talk right um when I'm in the mirror like especially internally because I find myself looking at specific parts of my body thinking uh I don't you know that doesn't look good um instead I I try to look at myself and think like you know this is a body that is working hard and functioning and you know my gratitude towards that so I've really been I I truly have really been practicing that the last couple months Um, honestly this process has helped me to stop objectifying myself yeah in ways that I was before like um when I was going like I didn't wear makeup for uh because I'm probably a year a year I didn't wear makeup about um I mean how did that feel for you like this is who I am. This yeah. is this is how I'm showing up today. Cool. And I stopped looking. You know, I I have a lot of I have like a naked, like th- like artist more artistic shots in my film, mm-hmm. because at some point I was just like I just look at my body and it's a body, not like yeah. this like sexy yeah. like thing that like I want men yeah. to like or like yeah. other people to. Like, I realized, like, my body is here for more than just your viewing pleasure. Right. My body is here right. because it needs to function, and which is a silly thing to have to say. Yeah. But it's, it's and it's something I would have been like, oh, yeah, that's my thought about that. <laughs> I'm a feminist. But, like, I really didn't deeply get until I was, like, dying. <laughs> I was, like, I was on the verge of yeah. a major organ failure. Mm-hmm. And something I had to to learn and something I, I continue to remind myself, like, thank goodness I didn't need the transplant. A lot of the problems I have aren't the problems that I used to have right. in those days. And, um, you know, I constantly try to remind myself where I was on those, those really hard days. Yeah. Because... I love that. I mean, your body is... It's just, it's a body. The fact that we're even, you know, living and breathing and all of, you know, our cells and our mitochondria and everything are working and doing their job, you know, sometimes better than others. But um, but the fact that we're just, like, literally standing here sometimes, it's just you have to remind yourself, like, that's a miracle. So One little more nugget on this. Nugget. And we made t-shirts like if you're if you saw us right now we are wearing t-shirts that say does this shirt make me look sick because it's like um everyone we have invisible illnesses both gabby and i look like normal fucking people walking on the streets and you would not think that girl has a chronic liver disease that might kill her yeah (laughs) or this person is experiencing extreme pots and lyme disease and all these other things yeah she feels physically ill all the time we look normal we look able-bodied able-bodied yeah normal in print in the quotations yeah right Right, right. Um, but we Absolutely. are experiencing <laughs> things a little bit differently, and um, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. And um, so, when you present as normal, but you're not feeling normal, um, that experience is is a different one than yeah, a lot of folks. And and it can be said too for people who are dealing with. Um, mental illness um it's you know it's very much an invisible illness and sometimes it's it's hard that people that you cannot wear your illness and have people see what you are going through and how you're struggling um every single day to get by basically so we came up with this t-shirt idea and we thought it was 
both A, cool, and B, funny. Like, when you're a chronically ill person, we, we thought it was, like, just kind of funny. Yeah, we're going to have a whole line. Uh, and but also, we're going to have a whole line that says, Does this, do these socks make me look sick? Yeah. Thanks, comrade, for those future socks. <laughs> just kidding. They, they didn't agree to that yet. Shout out. Shout out. Um, do, uh, so, do these socks make me look sick? Does this sweatshirt make me look sick? Does this T-shirt make me look sick? Do these pants make me look sick? Um but yeah, all that to say, like, also, we don't know what anyone's going through. That could be with just life experience too. Right. The, the, there's that great meme that Glennon Doyle posted where oh, it's like so good. Where it's like that line, and you're like, what we actually know, and it's like just a small section of the line, and then it's like, but what's actually happening? It's yeah. like this larger section of the line, and yeah. we don't know what anyone's going through. So it's just, it's a really good reminder of like, let's give empathy you all it's like the posters that show the iceberg like you just see the tip popping out of the water and then everything else is below the tip just the tip of the iceberg so yes yay exciting we did it we did it good stuff um tell your friends we exist take a screenshot of this podcast put it on your instagram story rate review subscribe to our podcast rate review subscribe Rate, review, subscribe. And on days, we ask, how is anyone still alive? We remind ourselves. We're still alive. We're alive. Yay. We did See it. See you next time. Bye. Bye.